I'll give you a phrase, and you complete that phrase for me. Let's play a game. Let's play, let's play a game. <laughs> you ready? Okay. <laughs> the love of money is the root of all evil. Why do you believe that? I don't. Why do people say that? Um, because it's been misquoted through the generations for years. And now people believe that. And it's a regressive belief. Because when you say the love of money, or when you believe that the love of money is the root of all evil, guess what? Every human being is trying to, or the, the decent human beings are trying to stay away from evil. So guess what? You're going to try to stay away from money. And that is regressive. Okay. Right? Got it. Got it. <laughs> That's one. And, and there are so many. There are so many. Okay, give me um, one more. One more. Okay. Mm, it's still connected to money. But a lot of people believe that rich people are evil or rich people got their money out of by, by doing something bad or by taking advantage of people. And so because of that, again, still in, in, in line with the, the love of money is the root of all evil, still in line with that, people would not want to be rich because they don't want to be seen as evil. Yeah. And it's a regressive believe again. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. The one that I was thinking about was um, it would be easier for what is it, the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for than the rich for man rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And people usually interpret that to mean rich people will not get into heaven. That rich people will not get into heaven <laughs> again. <laughs> and and, and just, just the same way as the love of money is the root of all evil, in quotes, that has been misquoted and mistranslated or mis, misinterpreted across generations. And now we believe that. I think it's the same way that that has been mis, mistranslated in the Bible. And now people are thinking that the fact that they say that it's easier for for uh, whatever to pass through the eye of it, it means that rich people are not going to get into heaven. No, none of us knows what happens after <laughs> after life, right? <laughs> Nobody knows what happens after life. But if you want to, because I'm going into the Bible right now, the Bible is two sided in nature. It's this duality in in the Bible. Just like human beings, we have a good side and we have a bad side. The Bible also has the ultimate truth. And the ultimate destruction. And over generations, over time, people who want to use the Bible to their advantage, right? They have misquoted things to the masses so the masses can stay in the darkness. But if you want to know the truth about it, go into the Bible and read it yourself and understand it yourself. And don't take what somebody else has said is what it means. Now, you have a mind of your own. Go ahead. What, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. What is the correct quote for the love of money is the root of all evil? I don't know what the correct one is. Okay. But I, what I believe is the lack of money is the root of all evil. Because ah. every place where there is lack of money, there is a lot of evil. I understand every that place because... where people, Every place where people are are in survival mode everyone is trying to people are going to do terrible things just because they want to have money i think that's what has been misquoted as the love of money it's just the fact that you don't have it the fact that you don't have it and you would do whatever it takes good bad evil whatever you're going to do whatever it takes to get it that is where it's like the, the love of money is the root of all evil but no what does it mean to you for me, it means the lack of it is the root of evil. I might be wrong. Uh, yeah, because no, no, because like I said, I was trolling that timeline. I have another quote for you that I need you to break down for us. <laughs> to be living on one of the best countries on the planet and still be broke is an insult to God. Yep. Explain. Break that down. <laughs> Uh, my insult. goodness, you have gone over my uh, timeline. Insult, okay. uh, insult to God, she said, y'all. Okay, 
let's go back to the Bible. Because everything I teach, I'm a Christian, right? And everything I teach, I want to relate it back to the biggest book of all times, which is the Bible. And back in the Bible, when you think about the time of Abraham, God promised him abundance. Right. God promised him abundance. And we are all children of God. And, okay, let me backtrack on that. I wasn't born here. I wasn't born in, I live in Canada right now, but I wasn't born in Canada. I was born in Cameroon and that's in Africa. And I moved here some 12, 11, 12 years ago. And so that message is really for people like me who are coming from there and now you're living in one of the best countries in the world and you're still broke. It's an insult to God because when you were back home, you were complaining, the government is doing this. The, the reason you're, you're broke is because of this, because you don't have opportunities, because you don't have the education, you don't have access to this, you don't have access to that. Now you're here. You got everything you asked for, and you're still broke. That's an insult to God because you got everything you wanted, but now you're still looking for an excuse to say, hey, I can't make it because I got an accent. Or I can't make it because, what, seriously? No, it's an insult. <laughs> God. <laughs> yes. Because you prayed to have this life. You prayed for this opportunity and now you have it and what are you doing with it? There are people who are living in countries where they are not even free to express themselves. They are not free to get on Instagram like you and me. They are not free to do anything. You, you're not free to do what you want to do. And, but we are living in North America. If there is paradise on earth, if there is heaven on earth, you and me were living in it. And so to be living here, where you have access to everything, and you're still complaining, and you're still broke, that is an insult, because if God would just pick you up and put you in the middle of, I don't know where, then you can have a reason to complain, but you don't have a reason to complain being here, because you got access to everything. Well, what about, the, what about those that say, you know, as their income increases, the cost of living increases even more? So they're never able to quite catch up. They are increasing their cost of living by themselves. Mm. Bold statement. Wait. Okay. A lot of people, when they get a pay raise, what is it people mostly do? Spend oh, we want to buy a bigger house. We, we, we want to buy a bigger house. So your income went up but you increase your expenses. Did you actually need the bigger house or do you just want to buy the bigger house because now you have a bigger income and you think you deserve a bigger house and so you go out and buy it and so your, your circumstances don't change because of your own doing. Well, you know, every child has to have their own bedroom. Says who? <laughs> <laughs> That's how parents who? feel. That's how parents feel. Cause, because... When I talk to a lot of my, my elders or my older cousins and I compare the houses that they grew up in, right, or the houses they raised their family in to the houses that my generation lives in, they don't quite understand why so much space is needed for a lesser amount of people. Okay, right. they had they had kids by the, the fives and the tens. And now <laughs> my generation has kids by the ones and the two. <laughs> right. But the houses are three and four times bigger. Right. Why? Who said every kid has to have a room? Who said that? And then every room has Who? to have a TV. Why do rooms need TVs? Every room needs a bookshelf. Why do rooms need TVs? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> because here's the thing. Society, society, or we are putting those pressures on ourselves because we're trying to keep up to some expectations that we have set up for ourselves that this is how it's supposed to be. But how does that make you feel? Does it make you feel happier to be spending that kind of money? Or do you want the freedom that you should be having because you have lesser bills or you, or you got lesser commitments, right? Because we are doing this to ourselves. We are doing this to ourselves. You get a pay increase. And the next thing is, hey, I want a bigger car. So you go sign a bigger car note. Or I want a bigger house. So you go increase your mortgage. 
or oh now my kids deserve you know or oh, now every kid needs to have an ipad for what when we were growing up <laughs> you know what we were growing up you know yeah. what so they don't have to discipline their kids this one doesn't have to share with that one and they don't have to hear the complaint his he's over his time or she's taking too long it's my turn to play with it they don't want to hear that yeah. so the answer is to buy two and we are doing that to ourselves. You don't want to discipline your kid. And so you're going to spend some money to make up for the discipline that you're lacking. Next quote. Right. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what would your income do for you if you didn't have to send it to someone else in the form of payments? That's a very okay. free thinking statement. To get somebody to say that, even if they said it aloud to themselves, just to think about it for a second, all of the money that they spend on bills, car note, uh, Netflix, all of, the, all of the accessories that they have that go along with life outside of food, clothing, and shelter. Yes. What they could do with that money. How, yeah, what, and that's a what, question what, I like. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. What what effect? No. What effect do you see that having on your clients when you coach your financial clients? When I make that statement, mm -hmm. a lot of them cannot picture that because that is the way it's always been. A lot of them cannot picture not having payments. So what I try to get them to do is to visualize. I said, just 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 imagine. Just imagine, so how much of your income right now do you send to paying off bills? So credit card bills, car notes, and everything. How much of it, does it, does, how much of it goes there? And for a lot of people, it's more than 60% more than of their income goes to stuff like that. And I say, okay, imagine for a second that all of that is already paid off and you just need to spend money on your regular day-to-day -day living. So you're going to need a place to live in. You're going to need... I mean, you're going to need food, shelter, clothing, transportation, and everything else is a luxury. Mm -hmm. Right. A so, luxury. so just imagine that. It's a luxury, right? If a, you, lu if, a luxury? Okay. It come is. On, come on, come on. It is. It is. Okay. It is. And those are things. Okay, so you cannot do without food, but you can do without Netflix. Right. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess they can. I guess, I guess, I just, hey. <laughs> you, you cannot do without. You, Coach Ida says y'all could do without Netflix. So here we go. You all do without Netflix. <laughs> okay. So, so, so what I was saying is just imagine you don't, you don't have to send a credit card payment. <clears throat> you don't have to send a car note payment. You don't have to. That is about 50% of your paycheck just sitting there looking at you and waiting for you to do something with it. What would you do with it? And people say, but, but it, it's not, yes, it's possible. Grind for a year, two years. I'm going to show you how you can make extra income now over the next two years and get yourself out of this mess. And then after that, if you don't like it, you can always go back. You can always go back and sign a car note. They're waiting for you. You know? <laughs> or but just imagine what you they're waiting for you on every... Oh, they called me up not too long ago. And I was like, oh my God, you got the wrong girl. <laughs> they, they called me up. <laughs> my dealership called me up a few, a few weeks ago to say, hey, um, there is a high demand for used cars like yours. And we want you to come in just so we can appraise your car and buy it back. And then you can take a, a, a new car and your payments are going to be about the same you're paying right now. I'm like, I don't have payments. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> she didn't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> that, oh, okay. Well, that's good. So when you bring it back in, then your payments are really going to be little. I'm like, no, I like my car. I don't need a car note. <laughs> my car is pretty new. But those are things, those are traps that I had fallen into before. You know, when you're in survival mode, you are looking for things to just keep you happy. You're looking for something to grab onto. So when that car company calls you, you start thinking, hey, having a new car is going to make me happy. 
well, it's probably going to make you happy for a couple of weeks. And then the, the pinch of the car note is going to get you. Right. But when you have freed yourself from this everyday grind, the hustle, if you don't want to go to work, don't go. Right. Or, or here is another thing which is really, really common. A lot of people get up every single morning and drive to jobs that they hate. Yes. Why? They got bills to pay. Monday in the U.S. is the most popular day for heart attacks. Why? We're doing that to ourselves because because you think your kids need TVs in their rooms? Because you think all the kids need an iPad? Because you think every single kid needs a room for herself? No. No, it's a cultural thing. It's the society, the American culture has made it normal to be broke. So when you're saying, hey, you can live life in a different way, people look at you like, oh my God, you, you, you're crazy. What are you talking about? That it's possible. We just do that to ourselves. Wow. Now let's break down your financial co- coaching programs because you do one-on-one and group. Yes. So the that. group one is, yeah. Go ahead. So the group one is really because a lot of people are ashamed of talking about money, of owning up to say, hey, that's a problem I have. So most people, well, a lot of people would, there's this, this different groups of people. There are people who want to be in the crowd because they don't want you to identify that this is a problem that they specifically have. So they're going to be in the group. And so some people are comfortable that way. So I would do a group coaching. So sometimes a a group of people will come together and say, hey, I want you to come and talk to us about this thing. And these are the issues that we have. These are the things we want you to address. And so in in that kind of setting, I would do a group coaching. Uh, But I prefer the the one-on-one coaching because you can deep dive and we can understand exactly what your problem is because the money is on the surface. There is a bigger problem going underneath that the money just shows, you know. Like you mentioned, some people are buying, every, um, every single kid has an iPad because you have an issue with disciplining your kids. The issue is the discipline beyond, beyond it. But how it's showing up is you have mounting credit card bills because you bought this and you bought this and you bought this because you think the kids need them. So it's usually a problem that needs to be solved, which is underneath, and only you can solve it. But I am more like a sounding board to you. Right. And so it's, I really do prefer the coaching with people so we can actually deep dive to understand what is going on because I want to empower you. I, want, I don't want to do it for you. I want you to do it for yourself. But I want to show you what is going on. So I do, I do one-on-one coaching and I do the group coaching as well. And, and in the one-on-one coaching, I would usually, or in either one, but mostly with the one-on-one coaching, during a session, we would, the first session is really just, I just sit and I just listen. And just in listening to somebody, you get to understand what it is that is actually going on. And then from there, I would give you suggestions or we would just, I would just be a sounding board. I would just be telling you, okay, you, you could do this thing in this other way. Or why do you do this thing this way? Or why, you know, we just go back and forth. And at the end of it, you would usually have this aha, like, wow, I didn't know those things. But now that I know, I could change certain things about the way that I handle my money. You know, for some people, they throw things out of the refrigerator and they never ever paid attention to it. There are people who are paying for Hulu and Netflix and, and they never paid attention to it. There are people who just have automatic payments coming, on, coming out of their credit cards every single month and they have never paid attention to it because everybody is go, 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 go. Yeah. You never stop to actually look and see, hey, what is this thing I'm paying for? Why am I paying for a credit card balance insurance? Like, what does it protect? You know? So when you start to look at things like that, you realize you're spending a lot of money you don't even need to spend. And that all happens in the, in, in the private coaching. But the group coaching also, it's very similar to that. And then we would do like a, a debt snowball to see how long it could take for you to get out of debt. Um, what are the things you could start to do right now to, to get yourself to this position? But it all starts with visualizing what do you want to do. Okay, what information do people need to provide to you to get started? They just need to come. You just book. We just start talking. I just listen. 
first. I just listen. Like, so you typically, <clears throat> excuse me. So typically it's, it's you book a call or you book a coaching session and then we sit together on a Zoom call and I would just basically need to understand what's going on. But typically I need to know what your income is, but that's after the initial stage, right? And then I'm going to need to know what your income is, how okay. much debt you have, what are you trying to achieve? Some people really want to build a credit score, but some people don't care about that. So if you're trying to build a credit score while also paying off your debt, those are things we need to factor in. I'm not going to tell you to completely stop using credit cards because that's going to help you to build a credit score. But if you don't care about that, then of course, we're going to cut off the credit cards and that's like no more credit cards. You Do know? you need so the credit cards to build the credit back up? You would don't need the credit cards, okay. but it's the fastest way to building a credit score. The credit card is the fastest way to build a credit score, but it's also the easiest way to stay in debt because you have a plastic in your pocket that you can just swipe whenever you want to without needing to think of, hey, do I have the money? Because here's the thing, when people go into a shop with a credit card, mm -hmm. they are not thinking, um, how much money do I have? You're thinking, hey, what's the available room on my credit card? You're thinking it's yours, but it's not yours. It's just the money the bank lets you use so that you can continue paying a lot of interest, <laughs> right? <laughs> so you're making them richer. You're making them richer. And, and they're doing great business. They're making money. But you should be making money for yourself by paying less interest or not paying interest at all. Because I've seen anywhere from 10 to 25% interest on a credit card. Yes. Yeah. But the and thing that, that is surprising to me. Yeah. On a car. On a car. The thing and that the is, is surp surprising me is we have a growing trend here in America. And it's not the old fashioned, you know, on layaway, pay week to week for your furniture. I saw a sofa the other day and they said that you could finance this sofa for 72 months <laughs> zero down <laughs> i thought what does the sofa do that i need to pay for the question sofa over the ne next six years what 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 does the sofa do? Knowing yeah. full well that most of us, after about two or three years, we want to replace that sofa, whether we recover it or whether the sofa is donated to somebody else and you get a brand new sofa. What is it about us as human beings that makes us fall for opportunities like that? Stress. <laughs> Stress 70, about 72 months? <laughs> Here's the thing, right? Here's one thing. Debt or personal finance is a behavior problem. It's, a, it's, it's behavior. It's not about what you know. It's about what you, what you feel or what you think you deserve. And oftentimes, because we are so stressed out about the everyday grind, Mm -hmm. We are always trying to, to hang on to something that's going to give us some semblance of joy or some, some semblance of happiness or some semblance of fulfillment. And so when you sit and you look and you're like, I feel sad today. What can I do to make me happy? Oh, I'll go shopping. You know? Retail therapy. Why are you sad? Retail therapy. Mm -hmm. Why are you sad? You are sad because... You don't have a purpose. You don't have something that makes you get up every single day to say, wow, another day. I'm excited about life today. Lots of people don't have that. The only thing that is really constant in their lives is the job that they have to go to every single day. And they hate it. And they go to that job because they got bills to pay. And why do you have those bills to pay? Because you haven't dealt with the thing that is underlying in there. So it's a cycle. And we continue to justify, oh, my kids need this. No, they don't. They need food, <laughs> shelter, clothing, <laughs> everything else. I'm everything feeling so sorry. Nice I'm 
know about y'all, but right now I'm feeling so sorry for Ida's voice. I, <laughs> I, I am just poor kids. Poor kids. Does, does Santa visit the kids at all? I just. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. No. <laughs> Santa visit the kids. Of course, Santa does. <laughs> No, but here, here's the beautiful thing, right? Because once you have, once you have clearly defined what it is that you, you need versus what you want. Okay. And you, of course, in your budget, I'm always saying allocate the money that you're going to use for every single thing that you want. Allocate the funds to that. If it's not in the budget, it's not going to happen. So put it in the budget, you know? So of course, there are lots of things that the kids do have. It's not because they need, there's this misguided sense of what you need versus what you want. I want you to clearly identify it as a want and not a need. And yes, let's go get it. But you don't need it. We're just getting it because you want it. But people justify things and say it's a need. No, it's not. You need a car. You don't need a Mercedes. You, you, you don't need a Mercedes, but you need a car. So if you need a car to take you from home to work, why are you buying a Porsche? Or, or, or what is it called? Why are you spending $500 a month on a car note? Why are you spending $1,000 a month on a car? You need a car, yes, but you don't need an expensive car you can't afford. What? You know, I, I have to drive I, a Tesla. I have to drive a Tesla. If you and have the money for it, yes. And not a used Tesla. I have to drive the latest Tesla rolling off the assembly line. Why? Because you like it. Identify that it's just because you like it. And don't say it's because, oh, it's good on mileage. Oh, it's good. No, no, no. We're justifying that. Just be honest with yourself and tell yourself the truth about why you're buying what you're buying. And then make the room in your budget and go buy it. You work the money. You earned it. As you work so with do your clients. What you want to do. Sorry? As, you work with, as you work with your clients. Mm -hmm. How hard is discipline as they go through the program? Discipline is it's hard. But. What I find, the people who struggle with discipline are the people who don't know why they're doing what they're doing, or they don't have a strong enough reason for doing what they're doing. And that's why I usually start with visualizing. Where do you want to be? What do you want to be doing? What would your money do for you if you didn't have to give it to anybody else in the form of payment? What do you want to do? Right. And you need to be very specific. Okay. So for example, if you want to, if you didn't have to send X, Y, Z amount of dollars to your credit card company or to the, the payments you have. And if you knew for a fact that you would have the money to take care of yourself, if it's guaranteed, would you continue being at the same job you're at right now? 100% of the time, the answer, the answer comes back, no. Okay, where do you want to be working? And then they start to imagine, hey, if I had a choice, I would want to work here, or I would want to do this thing, or I would want to live in this kind of... Or I, they start to imagine things they've never, ever imagined before. So when you have that, and you're like... You, you, start to, you almost begin to feel what it's going to be like to be in that future. And then the discipline just follows because you know where you want to go. You know what you want to do. I don't have to police you to say, hey, did you do a budget this month? No, because you know why you're doing it. And you know if you don't do it, you're going to stay stuck in that job you hate. So it's your choice. Every single human being has a choice. I can't force anybody to do anything, but I could inspire them to do things for themselves. You know, so discipline is hard. And I think discipline is overrated because really? a lot of times we say, yeah, I think discipline is overrated. And when people think about discipline, they think about willpower. So you're waiting on, okay, so for example, people do dieting, right? Yes. And everybody says, hey, my new year resolution, I'm going to, 
I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to. And you think the discipline is going to help you to not open your refrigerator and eat some ice cream. But you've got ice cream in the refrigerator. Guess what? You're going to eat it. No amount of discipline is going to stop you from eating the ice cream which is in there. Because you're going to tell yourself, but I bought it. And if I don't eat it, it's going to get spoiled. So let's just eat it. Just this one time. Discipline. If you don't, so when you have a goal, you have to make your environment to work with that goal. If your goal is to lose weight, don't put ice cream in the refrigerator, right? Because you're going right. to eat it. Or it's going to take you a little bit of willpower the first time to say, okay, I don't want it. I'm not going to eat it today. But the day you go on the scale and you check it out and you're like, wow, instead of losing it, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go to the refrigerator and give yourself a... Uh, uh, uh. Either like, I don't see progress anyway, so why not? I'm going to go eat the ice cream, you know? Mm -hmm. Or it's just one time. What does it hurt? So discipline alone is not going to do anything for you. Willpower alone is not going to do anything for you. You need a system. You want to lose weight. What's your plan? Okay, on Saturdays, I'm going to meal prep. On Saturdays, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy X, Y, Z. So when I need a snack, I'm not going to turn around and pick up some cookies because there are cookies in. Don't keep the cookies in your house. What's your system? My system is, okay, when I need snacks, I'm going to eat almonds. And you get the almonds and put them there. When I need, when I need a dessert or whatever, I'm going to eat. You, you, you outline what you want to have. And the only discipline then you need is to not go buy some extra ice cream. But your system, your system that you have put in place is to make sure that this goal that I have or this goal that I'm going towards, I have everything in place for me to, to make it happen. Okay, so I want to give people... budgeting. Right, yeah, that's where ahead. I'm going. That's where I'm going. I want to give people a, um, a, an example of what it's like to work with Coach Ida. Right. So pick one of your exercises, whether it's budgeting or whether it's, you know, you ask me the questions, I'll give you some answers for numbers and so forth. Just for an example, to give people what it's like to walk through your coaching program. OK, so um, after we have had like a, a discussion and I know where you where you're going, where you're going, when you start, you want to be my client, pretend yes. client right now. Yes. Uh -huh. OK, so <laughs> let's, let's, go all, let's go all in. Okay, okay. So what's your biggest struggle right now financially? Uh, biggest struggle financially right now is student loans. How much student loans you got? $100,000. How long have you had that? 10, 15 years. <laughs> so, so sorry, I'm laughing. Hey, I'm, telling I'm pretending you, to I be serious right now. No, because I... <laughs> I could have said, because I know, I know people with $200,000, dollars in student loans. Now, they're yeah. a dentist, they're a dentist, doctor, so forth. But those careers are not bringing in the salaries that they once did. There are, there are other careers out there that are making a lot more money than that. But I got $100,000 in student loans. That's, the, that's yeah. the average right now in America. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people have that. I've actually spoken to somebody who had like $400,000 in student loans, and they're like, I'm not even going to bother. Yeah. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. So besides, besides the credit card, uh, sorry, besides the, the student loans that you have, do you also have like a mortgage? Do you have credit cards? Do you have car notes? Do you have, what else do you have? Uh, my car note is four fifty, and I have three credit cards. Um, one of them doesn't have anything on it. It's about $20,000, and the other two come to about $20,000 in debt. So 20K in credit cards, for example. Carnot, I, I missed that. I'm going to write it down. So 20K in Carnot, for example? Yes. And let's, then credit card? Let's say 20K um, debt in car. Um, let's say 15 in, across two credit cards. Then I have one credit card that's 10, but I don't have a balance on it at all. Well, that's the limit. No, I'm asking the debt. Yeah, the debt on the two comes to 15K. Okay. 
Okay. Do you do you budget? Here and there. <laughs> so that's a no. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> most most people don't. Most people don't even know what their numbers are. Most people don't, right? Right. So so typically typically what would what we would go through is is we would after having gone through like what listing out what your debt is, mm-hmm. I would create a debt snowball. Like we've gone through the whole visualization process where okay. you want to be within what's your goal? How how fast do you want to pay this off? And, okay. and this is how much it's gonna take for you per month to pay now, it off. Now I, I have all of that debt, right? And I mm-hmm. make I make eighty five thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And what's your monthly expense? My rent is twenty five hundred. I need a calculator. Your rent is twenty five hundred. Mm-hmm. That is less than twenty five percent of your gross, but it's more than twenty five percent of your take home. Too much rent. Okay, and I, I have I have Netflix. <laughs> Everybody has something, so I said let's just throw Netflix in there. Um, yeah, and you got cable TV, correct? Yes, yes, I have cable because okay. I have to have the internet, and they came as a package. <laughs> hey, let's see, let's see what else, okay. what else, what else juicy I can throw at you real quick. Um, oh, oh, here, here's a good one. Um, there's a transportation cost because because while I drive a middle class decent car right my car is parked Monday through Friday because I take the subway back and forth to work and my subway costs come to about 420 a month hmm that's normal in your area Mm mm-hmm Wow, that's yep. expensive. On top of a car, is it is it is it um, less expensive to take the subway than it is to drive because you're gonna have parking and everything else, or what? Uh, it depends on where they're going to, but sometimes yes, yes. Because when you think about the gas prices and the wear and tear on the vehicle, parking the car and taking the train, yes, comes out to be the lesser of the two. But you're having both. So we, we would be looking at a way to reduce your expenses if you want to pay off all of this debt in, in two years, for example. Now, we're going to be I looking gotta, at ways. I got to get back and forth to church in style. Mm-hmm. That's why you need a car? So I can't, I can't give up my ride. Yes, you can. And I got rims on my ride. <laughs> I hear you now justifying why you need how you need your car. <laughs> so, so in a coaching session, I, I would typically want to know what your goals are, right? And, and part, of, part of knowing what your goals are is so we can know what is the best way forward for you. For some people, that involves moving, changing it, going to a less expensive house temporarily. You tell that to your clients. Yes. Did you hear her over there with that plane? Yes, y'all. Like I was asking a dumb question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> keep, keep rolling, Coach Ida. Keep rolling. I, I've got a client. I had a client who pays about 50% of their income on rent. I'm like, that's too much house. You got to move. Right? Or you stay there, but you're going to stay exactly the way you are because unless you, you have a way to double your income, it's going to be very stressful for you to be able to do anything else because half well, of your income goes to rent. The rest of, of the, it is probably going to pay credit cards. All of the other areas are high crime areas, so I can't live there. So something else is going to have to give then. So you're going to have to increase your income or find a roommate so you share the rent. Or carpool, depending on how intense you want to go. Or check your food. Like, how much food are you actually throwing away? We start from there. 
how much food do you have in the pantry? Sometimes people have pasta or they have like food that could take them six months to go through, but every single week they go to groceries and they buy some more because they've never ever stopped to actually look to say, hey, but I got so much food in here. I had a client here who, between herself and her husband, when, when, they, when they started working with me, the first thing that they decided to do was to go into their pantry and they had a list and they wrote down, they, they took an inventory, they, they looked at every single thing they had and they wrote it down and they, they, made, a, they made a commitment to them, themselves. They said, we're not going to buy anything else until everything we have is finished. And two months later, they still hadn't gone grocery shopping. But before that, they were shopping every single week. Before that, they were doing drive-thrus every single week. Every single day, the wife was doing drive-thrus. Drive like on the way to work because she's running late, she didn't have breakfast at home, she would just grab a, a, a McDonald's and just have breakfast. And because she was running late, she didn't have time to pack her lunch, so she would order food. And without paying attention to any of that, just the McDonald's every single morning, say an average that's like, if you're just grabbing a coffee, say maybe it's about $2, but if you're getting a sandwich, say it's about $5 a day. Easy. Easy $5 a day. Five days a week, that's $25 on breakfast alone for one person. But that could be breakfast for the whole family if you made breakfast at home. So if the husband is doing that, the wife is doing that, you're buying lunch. So your lunch, if it's, if it's on the cheap side, it's probably going to be about $10, maybe. But on average, it's about, if you're doing an Uber, it's probably about $20. You're going to do Uber Eats for them to bring you lunch. So $25, uh, $5 a day for breakfast because you're driving through. $20 a day for lunch because you, you're ordering in. That's $25 a day for eating out. But you still got to make food at home. You know, you still got to, you still got to do grocery shopping. You still, there are lots of things you still have to do. But because you're never paying attention to what it is you're actually doing, you don't even know that how, how much money you're spending. But what, so I, find, what I find that yeah. feeds that a lot is we give in to our impulses without even thinking about it. Because it isn't yes. what do I have for breakfast or what do I have for dinner. It's what do I feel like eating? And if I don't feel like eating anything that's in the cabinet, right? Like, like, I have sworn off cooking. I, my days of cooking have expired. I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> I'm not even, if I stand in the kitchen for a long period of time, I'm like, mm, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but I have to force myself. Here's where the discipline comes in. When I buy prepared food, I have to, when I buy for the week, I have to eat what I bought. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't, well, I feel like a Caesar salad right now, but I didn't buy any, I didn't buy a bag of salad this week. Mm -hmm. Or, hmm, I feel like, I, I feel like a chicken fettuccine tonight. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I got spaghetti in the refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, so we have to force ourselves or... The word for this month, we have to discipline ourselves to actually eat what's in front of us, to mm -hmm. use the to use to use the, the sofa we have at the very least until that sofa is paid off. If not, okay, until that sofa can pay to replace mm -hmm. the next sofa. So if you can't put that sofa that you have on Facebook Marketplace, or if you can't put that sofa on eBay, don't you dare go into the mall and sign up for a sofa that you will pay for over 72 months. Don't even sign up for a sofa. Pay for it. You feel the pinch. Listen, the fact that a lot of people just do, it's not even a layaway, like you said. It's just buy now, pay later. The fact that a lot of people do that it takes away the, 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 the emotional association that you have with spending money. It takes that away. So you don't even feel like you're spending money because, of course, you're not spending money. You're just putting it on a credit pay later thing. It's like, oh, yeah, give it to me. I'm going to pay it to you in 
five years. Yeah. So that emotional component is out of it. So what I, try, what I usually, I'm going to use the word force, but what I usually force my clients to do, and I can't force anybody to do anything, right? Got it. Mm-hmm. Is to get you back into the habit of only buying what you're actually paying for. So typically I'm going to say, hey, cut up your credit card and don't use it for a month. Force yourself to practice paying for everything and you are going to stop buying on impulse because you're going to think of, hey, I don't have the money in my checking account so I can buy it. It forces you to start to think before you make a purchase. It forces you to, to stop doing a lot of things on impulse. Or if, you, if you're too attached to the credit card to cut it off, just pull it out of your wallet and put it away for a month and don't touch it. But the unfortunate thing is a lot of people have memorized their credit card numbers. So they would still buy on Amazon even if they don't have a credit card on them. Well, a lot of those accounts save the number for you. So they, they have removed the emotional part of it. Yes. <laughs> they are spending a lot of money. <laughs> and that's the thing. And that's why people need to, people need to be smart. Because those companies spend a lot of money to, to make on marketing, number one. And number two, to make it easier for you to buy without thinking. Yes. And so the first Got thing it. is take off everything that you have auto-paid. Just take it off. Let them call you a, the payment. And, oh, yeah, okay. So you can literally force yourself to think about the things you're buying. Amazon has, Amazon is going to save your credit card. A lot of companies are just going to save your credit cards on file to make it easier for you to buy next time. So the emotional part is taken away. And they know like personal finance is, is behavior. And if we can make it easier, if we can make this thing into a habit, we can get a lot more people on our side. How many times do people just drive to McDonald's just because, hey, I'm on this street. And usually when, and usually when I'm on this street, I drive through this place. So let's go get something. Oh, and McDonald's has that special uh, strawberry lemonade this, this season. So let's roll through and get <laughs> But when they roll through, they don't just get the strawberry lemonade for a dollar. Mm-hmm. They get the meal. Then they add the apple pie. <laughs> they size up. <laughs> and then you solidify the behavior. So next time, it's so much easier for you to go do it. So, so it's really about having a system and a basic system is a budget. A basic system is pulling your credit card out of your back and just keeping it home. A basic system is just tell yourself, I'm going to write a list today before going to the shop and I'm only going to buy what's on my list. A basic system is, hey, before I splurge, I'm going to plan for it. And, And I'm not saying don't splurge because... I want you to spend money on yourself, but I want you to know the money you're going to spend on yourself and plan for it, and then you go spend it. And I tell my clients, you have to put money for fun in your budget, because if you don't put money for fun in your budget, there's a little devil in there which is going to riot to say, hey, I deserve this, so I am going to go get it anyway. But you're rioting with yourself. Now, when you tell your clients to go out, to, to leave the credit card at home, to not auto-save the credit card so that it's easier to spend online. When they're out shopping, are they to take cash? Yes. Why? So you feel the pain of spending money. So it's going to force you to realize that I have been spending this money without thinking about it before. And so now the emotional part gets attached to it. And so you start to think before you spend. A lot harder to break that 50 when you know once you break it, it's gone. <laughs> and, and, and oftentimes, like, it's just a temporary thing because I want you to get that new habit. And once, you, once you're now in the place where you, you're comfortable budgeting, where you're, when you're in a place where you're comfortable, you know, hey, I'm only going to go shopping when I have my list. I'm only going to go shopping when I have checked to see that I don't have this thing. Here's, here's something people do by default. You probably do this. You got kids? No. Okay. A lot of parents probably do this. I, I know I used to do that a lot. You know when this this like, you got chocolate at home, you got peanut butter, you got butter, you got jam, you got everything, which is all bread spread, right? Mm-hmm. 
a lot of people would, the moment the chocolate is finished, when you get to the shop, hey, we need to buy chocolate. What's it for? Bread spread. Do we got bread spread at home? Yes. Okay. <laughs> people have taken away the thought from what they're doing. It's like chocolate is finished, so we need to buy chocolate. No. Bread spread. The chocolate bread spread is finished, so we're going to use peanut butter. Right? Now, because if, 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 your, if your grocery budget in a month is $500, and you don't have a credit card, or if your grocery budget in the month is $1,000, and you don't have a credit card, that $1,000 better be sitting in your checking account. Because if not, okay, we don't have money to buy chocolate. We used up all the money. Now, I can tell you the you problem. Know? I don't have children, but I can tell yeah. you the issue that I have since the pandemic. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I go shopping, I'm in the grocery store, I'm in your neighborhood, you know, Boxville, Walmart, Costco, BJ's, whatever it is, and I'm passing the cleaning supplies or I'm passing the uh, bathroom tissue and it is on sale. There is this, there is this conflict that I have with myself because I'm like, are they getting ready to run out again? Do I need to grab like 40? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I have four, um, I say dish detergent bottles. I've got probably three packs of, and it's just me. I have probably three mm -hmm. packs of bathroom tissue. And it's that it's because I lose right now. I'm losing to that conflict in the store when I'm standing there and it is on sale because I'm thinking, yeah. is the pandemic coming back? Are they getting low on it? Um, or is this being discontinued? All of these things yeah. go back and forth through my head while I'm standing right there in the store in front of the sale sign. Yeah, I, I think the part that you need to then ask yourself is, worst case scenario, right? Even if it goes out, how much do you have at home? And how long can that last you, right? <laughs> if you got three packs of toilet paper and you're alone, it's probably going to last you more than three months. <laughs> so do you really think in three months they're not going to find a solution to the toilet paper problem <laughs> out there? <laughs> You know, and I've actually had that as an issue because somebody actually mentioned that to me. I, I, I buy in bulk because I don't want to run out of it. It's not the end of the world. There are people who don't clean their butts. They just wash it. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm not saying do that. But I'm like, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> it, it's not worth my peace of mind. It's not worth the energy that I'm going to... You see this feeling of, I don't have payments? Mm -hmm. You can't convince me to go back into payments. Yeah. We are going to find another Agreed. way. Agreed. You know? So it really just comes back to, what do you want? And do you want it? Do you have a big enough reason for it? Because before, before, when I was in survival mode, and I see that with a lot of people right now, when I was in survival mode, I wouldn't even be doing this live with you right now. Because I'm thinking, hey, I need to go do overtime. Oh, I'm thinking I need to go do, you know, people don't have the luxury of stopping to think or stopping to, to even, to even think about, Hey, what is it that truly makes me happy? And because a lot of people don't even have an idea of what makes them happy, they go out overcompensating on everything else because they're looking for happiness and stuff, but stuff is never going to make you happy. You, you need to go back inside and say, Hey, what is it that really makes me happy? Someone is going to tell you, hey, retail therapy, it's not the shopping that makes you happy. Or it's not the spending that makes you happy. It's the experience of seeing something new. Because it doesn't and last. Exactly. So you could still go and do the retail therapy without having a credit card. Just go around and look at the stuff. If you have a credit card in your pocket, you're going to see something you like and you're going to buy it. If you don't have the card, you will find a deeper happiness in that, in that experience of window shopping. Exactly. So but once you once you have once you have had the discipline or once you have had the system of once you have taught yourself what really makes you happy, what what matters most to you, those things you start to look at them and, and you're like, but 
why was I buying all of this in the first place? Yeah. So what so, is what is the biggest, I guess, aha that your clients have towards the end of their process of getting out of debt? The biggest thing is usually when they finally pay it off. Okay. And they say, so it's usually the month after the last payment. The month after the last payment. Okay. This money is sitting in your account and it didn't go out anywhere because you got no payments. And usually they would call me back to say, hey, I feel like I got a raise because I don't need to send money anywhere. So what should I do with this? I'm like, go, go, go get a treat. Whatever you want to do, just go do it. You deserve it. You earned it. For a lot of people, it's that. And I do have a client who, here in Montreal with me, when they finished paying off their, their, their debt, like they had credit cards, they had car notes, they had lots of things. When they finished paying that off, they called me up the month after they finished and they said, we have been thinking about this project of remodeling our kitchen, but we had never thought it was going to be possible. But right now, all the money we didn't send to a credit card company this month, we're putting it into a sinking fund to start remodeling our kitchen. So they called me not too long ago and they said, finally, they're doing the remodeling that they had never dared to talk about. They thought it was never going to be possible and they're doing it. And she said, hey, on top of that, you know what? We actually started a sinking fund by the side while we were paying off the debt. And we just went into the dealership and we got ourselves a new car, but we paid for it in cash. And they were excited about it. And, and for every, it's, so that is not for everybody, but it's for the people who want this to be their, their life, for the people who want this. It gives you, that's my friend in the audience, Kennedy. Hi, Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Paying off your debt just gives you options. And I always say to people, if you don't like the feeling of being out of debt, hey, you can always go back in, but just try it. Try it first, and then you know you don't like it, and then you go back in. So, Ada, if you had, uh, this was your introductory conversation with somebody, you had one thing to suggest to them, right? They had one move to make to get to their, to, to their more. What would your one suggestion be for their next step? Suggestion for their next step would be to do an, uh, do an inventory. Just pick up your statement for the last three months and just look through it and categorize everything on it and look at where your money really goes. And then just look at what your statements, what story your statements are telling you about you and see if you like it, and see if two years down the road or one year down the road, if you don't change what you're doing right now, what is going to be different about your situation? And if it's, if it's a picture that you like, then, well, you're on the right track. But if it's a picture you don't like, you have to change it starting today. And it's going to be hard because change is hard. But if you want it, there's always a way to make it happen. All right, Miss Ada, Coach Ada, financial guru, thank you very much for the interview. <laughs> thank you so much, Anita. <laughs> and and you, lighten up on, you lighten up on those boys. Sorry? Lighten up on those sons of yours. Oh, you, oh, oh, oh. They, they, they actually, you know what? They love it. <laughs> you know what they do in school right now? <laughs> you know what they do in school? Oh, one thing they actually do, they would come up to me to say, hey, mom, can you put in the budget that we need to go get some donuts on Friday? Oh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? I say, yes, they're learning. It's not like you can't get the donuts. It's like, we need to put it in the budget. You know, so they do that right now. Or the they would apple come to doesn't say, fall far from the tree. Yeah. <laughs> My son actually came up to me not too long ago and he said, Mom, I would like um, hover, hover, is it the hoverboard? The hoverboard yes. thing? I said, okay, um, how much is it? 
He said, I don't know. I said, okay, go, go check and come tell me. So he went and he checked and he came back and he said, it's, I think it was like $300. And I said, okay, you want it or you need it. I want it. I'm like, okay, we can get it. But that means you're going to have to earn your way to it. What I found was that when they, when they buy their stuff, mm-hmm. they take more care mm-hmm. of it than when I do buy it. At the end of the day, the money is going to come from me or from my husband. The money is going to come from one of us. Mm-hmm. But they have sweat in the game. And so they would take care of it a lot more. And you wouldn't be building this sense of entitlement that a lot of parents are complaining about right now, that my kids feel entitled. We, we encouraged it because we gave them every single thing they asked for without expecting any sense of commitment from them or any sense of any, anything from them. But my kids right now, when they come to me, I don't say no. I say, yes, you can get it. You know, this, this is how much I'm going to pay you for this particular chore you're doing. Or, and, so, and a lot of people are against that. They say, you don't pay for chores. I say, well, I, they would do the... I would spend the money for them anyway. Why don't I use the money to teach them something that's cool It's not going to teach them? I say, it's my way. You don't have to agree with it, but it's working for me. When it's not working anymore, of course, I'm going to change it. But for right now, my kids know money comes from working. And they know how to earn money. They're still very young, but they know how to earn money. And they would come up, actually come to me to say, hey, I want to make this thing and go sell it. Do you think it's, it's a good idea? I'm like, yeah. Do you like making it? Yes, mom. Okay, go for it. So, <laughs> but that's not a conversation you would hear from a lot of people. Yeah, it's not. And, and unfortunately, we yeah. did not learn about money in school. And right now, we are, doing, we are making all the mistakes that are on the planet. What are we doing differently for our kids? What are we teaching them different from what we learned? At home, money was a taboo. You can never go ask your parents, like, Mom, how much money do you make? Or Dad, how much money do you make? Why do you want to know? Or Mom, can I have some? It's like a conversation that should never happen. But that's why, that's why we never learned about money. And school is not going to teach you. So who is supposed to teach you? By making mistakes or by learning from your parents, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I believe. That's my philosophy. And that's why I teach my kids about money. And now they, they would come to me and ask questions like, do people know the things about credit cards? Or why are people using credit cards? Or my teacher uses a credit card. Or I told my teacher don't use a credit card. I said, no, boy, don't tell your teacher stuff like that. Let them be. <laughs> It's not your business. I'm teaching you what I want to teach you. <laughs> so hey. they go looking for. Hey. So, yeah. But it's fun. It, it's fun. They're learning things that I didn't get to learn before. So, yeah. You're telling the teacher she can't use her credit card. <laughs> I think the difficult part is going to be now for me to teach them. It's okay to use your credit card if you understand how it works. Because now it's like you don't use credit cards, and that's the message they have. So I just need to figure out a way to teach them that, hey, it's okay to use it if you understand how it works. But unfortunately, a lot of marketing companies are out there giving, handing out credit cards to 16-year-olds and 18-year-olds and just with no education. And then they go and they're allowed to take student loans, but they don't understand how it works. Yes. And what kind of future are you building for them? It's... Yeah. Well, I, I, where can people find you to find out more about your coaching practices, your coaching programs? The best place to find me is on Instagram right now. And when, you, when you're here on Instagram, you would see on my profile, there is a link. Okay. There's a link in the bio. So that link has my website. It has the freebies I offer, which, which for a lot of times people would say, hey, okay, now I'm in. And but I don't know how I can make any extra income. So there's a, there's a free webinar that I'm actually offering to in, in the month of May, which is going to show people how to make money on Upwork. So just, just some freebies that people would normally ask things about and things like, hey, I, I understand what you're saying and I'm struggling with setting boundaries because my family expects me to take care of them or, or I'm broke and how do I tell people that I'm broke and I can't help them? So there are lots of things that I just throw out there and mm-hmm. it's all in my link in the bio. And when you go there, it's taking you to a link tree. So best place to reach me is Instagram. And What's your Instagram handle? Ida Azefor dot financial coaching. So it's I D A A Z E F O R dot financial coaching. That's my all right. Instagram. 
There you have it, the expert financial guru that will help you get completely out of debt, rearrange your entire life, cut out all of your extracurricular activities until you get that debt paid off. Thanks, Ida. Until next time. <laughs> Thanks, Anita. <laughs> Bye now. <laughs> <laughs>